0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex.
1: I'm Justin.
0: I'm Pete. And on the stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. And we're going to kick it off with, I think this is a big deal. This isn't normally the sort of thing that we would kick off the show with. Usually it's like some Marvel or DC book or whatever. Uh, I mean, who even cares? Okay, weird voice. Weird way to put it, uh, but we're going to talk about the scumbag number one from Image Comics written by Rick Remender, art by Lewis LaRosa. The reason I think this should go first is a new Rick Remender book is a big deal. We've been following yes. his writing pretty much since the beginning, and every book out is an event, so it's worth putting this right up front at the top of the show. Reading this book, I know ah, this is something that Pete just loves a ton. He's very into He's very excited about Uh, The concept of the book, though, before we get into Pete's feelings about it, I can see his head already nodding, yes, yes, give me more. Yes, yes, I love this. Is what if the worst person in the world uh, was responsible for the fate of the world? That's essentially what it is, to the point where they essentially say that line at the end of the book. Uh, And in fact,
2: we do meet the worst person in the world who ends up in a situation... That's the thing they say. Like the wor- the worst person in the world. It's he's just like kind of a slacker, druggy guy. It's not like he's a fucking head of the KKK or fucking you know what I mean, a murderer. Yeah. He's. I like, guess it's
1: more to say the worst. I understand what you're saying, but definitely the most down and out. Right, but what he has full on
2: diarrhea. Well, <laughs> sure, yeah. Who doesn't? My the thing is, it's like it's like brand new Rick Remender book. You ready to get your fucking heart broken? This guy writes in such a way that like pulls you in, gets you sucked into this amazing world, and then always breaks your fucking heart. I'm scared. I'm scared about this book. But that's what I love. What I love about Rick Remender books,
1: and it has been a long time since he launched a new one. Um, we've been reading Low. We've been reading Black Science for a long time. Uh, and those deadly, books class. Are deadly Class. Yeah, deadly of course, Class. Deadly Class, Ongoing. But these other books are sort of wrapping up. Deadly Class feels like it's going to keep going mm-hmm. um, for a bit longer. And. To have a new book is sort of precious, and what I love about it is he takes uh, extreme premises uh, and pushes them. And what he always does is, um, on the art side, brings in truly, like, evocative artists. Um, and in this case, it is the same thing. Like, when he says it's the worst person in the world, like, we see it in, like, I would call this hyper-realistic uh color and and line and Mm -hmm. it's great it's great it's really smart of him to not shy away from these truly disgusting things if the point of the book is this person is at his lowest and he has to become a
2: uh, world-changing person or maybe he won't i don't know yeah i starting a book with a charles bukowski quote is just a A fantastic way to start something that's this kind of like mayhem or it's just about like a drunken dude who does a lot of drugs and shit that's like the perfect thing uh but man just seeing a guy doing drugs and shitting on the streets really makes (laughs) me miss new york city you know what i mean like back Mm, in the 80s and 90s the real new york you know what i'm talking about yeah, I P, mean, You were the mayor of New York in the mid '80s. Oh yeah, man. Just love doing drugs in the street shit anywhere you wanted. Those <laughs> are the days. You were a very controversial male,
1: yeah. mayor. Yeah, before I
2: Giuliani
0: took it all away. I mean, yeah. like, where's exactly. that guy now? What's he doing? Yeah, don't, it is don't. Cra- it,
1: it is truly crazy to think of a time when everyone was like Giuliani. What a hero. And now truly, (laughs) now truly, and like, I don't, not to get, it's not at all political, but he is looked upon as a legit Nosferatu style monster. There's so many Twitter memes of him being like, look, his hand's dead. Or look,
0: his teeth are He's such a sad sack. Like, that's the thing that's, But such a bummer about it is like he went from I'm the guy that's going to clean up New York. This is very controversial to he did some sort of thing where he's like, I'm going to reveal information. And he taped a video (laughs) and he opens up this folder and there's nothing in the folder. And he's just like, well, this evidence that I have here and there's nothing in there. It's just sad. That's not the point of this book. Let's get back to the scumbag thing. The thing well, but wait, ones... let me let me just yeah.
1: say one more thing on that. I do think this book spins out of the era we're we're in. Like I think it's mm-hmm. it's about a person who is uh, not ready to be elevated to a position of power, who is in that position of power. Which I feel like is it common on our time, both uh, Trumpian and everything around our current political situation, where it's like, oh, uh, these people shouldn't be in charge of stuff like this. This book feels very timely to me.
0: Uh, I agree. Uh, the thing that I wanted to get back to, though, uh, that Pete was saying about the worst person in the world is it's not racist murderer or anything like that. It's nails on chalkboard worst. It's which I think they make pretty clear through the writing where it's the sort of guy who within seconds of meeting in, you're like, Oh God, fuck this guy. Yeah. The worst. Oh God. The guy at the party
2: is looking to steal beers that aren't Mm -hmm. being looked at. You know what I mean? Like, Oh,
0: and it's great. The specificity going on there uh, is so clear to the point where it builds to very graphically, as we were talking about him shitting himself on the street, which is horrifying and gross. And mind you, not the first time Rick Remender has written a person-on-drugs diarrhea scene. That was way back yeah. in Deadly Class. Classic yeah. scene in Deadly
2: Class. Cl- classic. He loves, he loves a good shitting story. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and let me
1: throw this out uh, as well to go back into early Remender. Uh, this book sort of reminds me a little bit of Fear Agent. And that Ooh. it is a person who is super down and out having to uh, maybe elevate themselves.
0: What I'm really interested in is reading the second issue of this book, because if Rick Remender has showed us anything, it's he always has a very clear concept in the first issue. And then he blows it insanely out of proportion <laughs> by the second issue. Yeah. And I don't know how they're going to do that yet, but I'm excited to find out.
1: 100% true. Yeah. Yeah. Great Great debut it's Great yeah, debut.
2: It's fun to see a new book that he's working on. I'm very excited to see where this goes. Um yeah, cr- crazy first issue. Uh fantastic art. Definitely check it out. Uh, uh moving yeah. on to Fantastic
0: Four number 25 from Marvel written by Dan Slott with art by RB Silva, Paco Medina and Will Robson. Uh, this I believe is the beginning of the status quo change. That Dan teased back when he was on the live show With us chatting about this book Um, So this is kind of a big deal There's a lot of stuff that goes down in this book As we celebrate this mini anniversary of the Fantastic Four What do you think about the issue?
2: 46 pages Uh, This to me is a great Like Fantastic Four story You know like you get this kind of like uh, (coughs) Shit goes down Only the Fantastic Four can save the day then what's nice about it is um you know you've got Reed and Sue talking a little bit about the holes in their marriage about how they lied to each other a little bit and i'm i'm hoping that moving forward their relationship can get a little bit better because i'm sick of the classic you know uh you know Sue Storm does so much more for the family than Reed does and he's just constantly busy and can't be bothered. So uh, I am I think this was a really cool story. Great use of the whole family. I'm very excited. Even a cool watcher stuff, which you don't normally uh, kind of get. Oh, um, no. People are always like, that
1: watcher is very cool. No, but like also
2: <laughs> you know, just this whole thing of like We're the Watcher and we've watched like all these amazing events happen in Marvel, uh, whether it's through comics or TV or movies. But like just these splash pages like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, that was cool. Hey, uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider got a shout out.
1: Well, see, I I would take some issue with with your statement, Pete, because I think what Dan Slott is so great at and why he's such a great match for the Fantastic Four is his whole thing is everything old is new again or everything new is old again. Uh, Either way, which one is it? It's sort of both because what he does here is he's like, yes, Reed and Sue aren't getting along because um, Reed has a secret from Sue. But what's great about this issue is, is Sue also has a secret from Reed and she has her own life and she's doing her own thing and so they get to meet on equal ground. Great. Uh, the thing is, like, uh, it's in time. Oh, yeah. um, I'm going to be uh, uh, wrecking shit. But then he's like, oh, I have actually a family at home I have to get back to yeah. um, at the same time. Dr. Doom is still a villain, but he's actually the Dr. Doom. It's the Dr. Doom Reed Richards relationship from the very beginning of the comic where they're contemporaries. And even though they are wildly superpowered, they're meeting here as, like, oh, you were keeping a little secret from me. And he's about- like, oh, well, yeah, I was. Figure it out. And they're like, well, let's figure it out together. Like, it's just – Dan Slott is just a tactician when it comes to uh, picking apart with, like, a fine tweezers these Marvel uh, just legends and finding a new way to reconfigure the stories by just slightly tweaking little bits and pieces.
2: I, I did want to – while we're talking about Doom, Doom is one of my favorite villains, and Dan Slott did a great job of, like – the way Doom was just like, um, you know, acknowledges the fact that Sue Storm was in the room before she revealed herself was such a badass Doom moment. Dan Slott is just killing it on this book. Yeah, this is a really fun
0: issue. And like you're talking about, a bunch of fun teases for the future, a new setup of new status quo for the team, as well as certain members of the team, as well as the Watcher and other things. Uh, just a great package. I had a blast reading this issue. Moving on to Justin and-
2: loves good packages.
0: Moving on to Chilling Adventures of Sabrina presents Madam Satan number one from Archie Comics Story by Elliot Rahal, art by Julius Oda. So we talked about this on the live show a little bit, but this exists in a weird. Mix of continuity between the comic books and the TV show, not necessarily contradicting either, but not existing like this is between season one and season two of Sabrina or part one and part two or part three and part four or anything like that. Uh, It just kind of is and about Madam Satan. Um, The real standout of this issue to me is Julius Oda's art, which does a great job of channeling Robert Hack from the original series, but finding a different way around it. What do you think, Pete?
2: Yeah, I mean, because when you think about it, the only person who would want to be a principal at a high school is, you know, somebody who is in hell. You know what I mean? Someone who wants to bring hell to the people. So to me, this made a lot of sense. Like, oh, yeah, the queen of hell would love to be a principal at a high school. That's the perfect job for them. And this is like a real fun kind of like setup. Uh, Madame Satan is glorious in the uh, Sabrina TV show, and it's nice to see this character kind of thrive in this comic as well.
1: This does a good job of being sort of of the TV show, but hearkening back to the comics that uh, originally inspired what went on to become the Sabrina TV show, like the Afterlife with Archie and the Sabrina comic that Roberto Aguero-Sacasa then developed into the show. So, like... It's great. And to your point, Alex, the art is just amazing. Yeah. Throughout.
0: Good stuff. Very impressive. Next up, Iron Man number two from Marvel, written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Kafu. When we talked about the first issue of this book, I think we were pleasantly surprised. But the change in direction here as Iron Man is going back to basics here, we get a little bit more on that Uh, veering on the side of he kind of has a death wish a little bit, or at least a injure himself wish as he's trying to move back to be a hero. But I got to say, I'm loving this take. I just think it's so refreshing to see a Tony Stark who is just being a hero and going on fights and fighting people and being a human being for a change. It's great.
1: I agree. This felt like a like an, a comic uh, that I would have read back when I was, like, in high school. Like, it is just Iron Man, like, dealing with shit. Like, of course he's fighting uh, Absorbing Man. The ultimate, like, early uh, run of, of a series villain is Absorbing Man. And I love the guest stars throughout and Iron Man just sacrificing himself. Like, Cardiac shows up, another... It's a Spider-Man villain, technically, who is just, like, sort of Iron Man-y in a lot of ways. Uh, and this felt like some just some good classic fun.
2: Yeah, it was fun to see Hellcat. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's all right. It's okay. Pete, <laughs> do you not like an Iron Man? Uh, no, I mean, I this comic has gone through so much stuff, and it's just crazy. Like, okay, great. It's back to Tony Stark, but, I you know, I don't know. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what do you want it to be then? I I want... It was just weird because it's like, oh, Tony Stark's not Iron Man anymore. Okay, cool. And there was this really cool character who was trying to take on the mantle, but then was like, nah, we're going to go back to Tony Stark. And I was like, okay, but... Why? And then it's just like, oh, it's back to basic story stars. So
0: you're you're upset that it's not Riri is what you're saying.
2: I liked Riri. I like the possibility of new stories. Uh, I just think that Iron Man has done a lot of amazing things. So let's see something amazing. You know what I mean? Let's see why we're seeing Iron Man again instead of something new. All right. Fair enough. Next up,
0: Stillwater, number two from Image Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Ramon K. Perez. We talked about the first issue of this as well and liked it quite a bit. Uh, Guy goes on a road trip ends up in a town where nobody ever dies. His friend gets killed outside the town, and it turns out at the end of the first issue that he may actually be a natural-born resident of the village. We find out many more effed-up things about the town in this issue. Uh, What did you think about this? And also... Given yes. that it drew some comparisons to Revival, controversial controversial yes. comparisons to Revival, the Tim Silly series that had kind of a similar premise, at least at the start. Do you feel like it's veering off enough at this point?
1: Uh, it's totally quite different, um, I would say. I don't want to get into like, is it wrong to have a book this close premise wise Um because I enjoyed reading this, uh, the first and second issue. It feels like um, at the end of this issue, we're setting up sort of what what the deal is going to be. They're um this this guy's the third person who's been invited into the town. Clearly, we're going to meet these other two people, and what that means, uh, his relationship to his mother, and how the town works. All that is fun. Like I'm excited to get into that. Uh, Revival felt like very different tonally. It was about people who it was established relationships and how they were sort of dealing with this new status quo. So I think to me it's a it's different enough to exist uh, separately.
0: They're also they feel like different types of horror, right? Like as yes. Tim Seely is very good at, it's a little more slasher horror, it's a little more graphic horror, a little more fun horror. This is more in line with The Wicker Man, I think, and that sort of, or Midsummer, that sort of thing. Ooh, that's a good comparison. Um, yes. and so yeah, I, I agree. I do think they're different. There's certainly a danger there that they're going to weave together too much, uh, but right now I think they can both exist, and that's okay.
2: Uh, I would just like to say, as, as someone who's lived in a big city for a really long time, uh, this is why I don't like the small towns. So they scare the shit out of me. Um, th- the, I love this thing of like playing with the creepiness of a small town and like all these people who know each other and you're the outsider kind of coming in. I think that's a great idea to start a story. And I think, you know, sometimes when writers are you know We're all pulling from the same pool, so sometimes I, ideas might overlap. You'd like to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully it's not a ripoff, uh, but I, I do not know. Uh, but of, as far as this is concerned, uh, the little kid in the beginning was so fucking creepy with that wolf. Um, I was scared shitless, and uh, I'm interested to see where this goes and it's really fun this idea of if people can't die then yeah people would just kind of like loosey goosey shoot each other because you know there's going to be no damage but it is kind of of crazy right now to see a cop fucking just shooting first and and then talking later it's kind of a hits and Uh, not fun chord right now
1: yeah it's not crazy to see that that happens a lot in this uh, world Uh, Pete real quick um, when you said you're scared shitless, could you give us just a sort of scale, a power ranking on the different types of scared you are? Just so I know what you mean when you say that.
2: Um, well, there's scared, like, all oh, my stomach hurts a little bit. You know what I mean? And then there's like... Your stomach hurts a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like... Oh, like, oh, I
1: ate t- like I ate too much candy. Yeah, yeah. You got like So a like pain. you're scared candy. Let's call it that.
2: Okay, yeah. And then scared shitless is, you know, like you're yeah. in real trouble. Oh, so there's two parts to the scale? Yeah.
0: Interesting. So <laughs> when you're I have scared... a tummy ache and then I have no shit in me whatsoever.
1: Yeah. So and, and, you and let just me just also ask, part. quick follow up on that. When you say you're scared shitless, that means you've shit everything out. Like you're yeah. fully like yeah. you fully empty, like, on uh, the empty street side. You yeah. on the street scumbag style, diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um or is it are you full of shit and you just can't get it out?
2: No, no, yeah, you're the scumbag on the street who's oh, okay. emptied but it all up. But you're 100
0: percent clean at this point.
2: Like you're yeah. just, I'm an cleared, empty vessel. Cleared out. Yeah, you're an empty. So nest. you read
1: <laughs> this comic and you like fully just like rooster tailed yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, while you were reading it, I got you. Okay, yeah, yeah. great. Put that on uh, the you know, cover. Something of the, that I've been doing, uh, I've been,
0: uh, I've been going back to doing the transcripts of the episodes, and I, don't don't I've been trying to, that. I've been trying go to pull back out to that. quotes. Uh, quotes from each of the episodes and like put them out there in the hope of getting maybe some pull quotes or something like that oh, man. on a book. Yeah. So I think we could say uh, Stillwater, it'll clear the shit out of you. <laughs>
1: yeah, You'll go full rooster your tail. your quotes, Zalbs. you go full rooster tail for this book.
0: Batman 101 from DC Comics written by James Town of the 4th, art by Gilliam March. This is following right up on the Joker War as Batman grapples with the knowledge that Joker might have been right. And he has to, in fact, change. He's got to up his game. Uh, Game. Game. Uh, As he talks to Catwoman about it. Uh, Pete, I'm sure you have some feelings about this because, spoiler, Catwoman and Batman decide to be on a break for a year. What would you think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I like the kiss. I thought the kiss gave us hope. You know, but (laughs) the old uh, taking a break is just, you know. That's uh, heartbreaking, you know. Don't don't take a break, guys. Say don't yes to love. Don't take a break, love. Take a break from love. In the
1: TV show Friends, famous romantic comedy.
0: Mm-hmm. We're on a break.
1: Yeah. Uh, hey, I like Alex, so part. let me ask you: Are you hyping up that phrase, or are you doing a Ross impression?
0: Uh, I think I'm doing uh, Ross. It was Ross. No, I'm. Do- yeah, I mean, I'm doing Ross, but I think it's one of the characters from Seinfeld. Ah. Like Cherry. <laughs> oh, is <you laughs> Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah, no, I think uh yeah, Jerry says Seinfeld one of the and friends. Jerry Seinfeld in, in that is, that is always is like, Seinfeld? "Jerry?" He's like a pokebot.
1: <laughs> Jerry? Uh, it's hard for me to tell what you're talking about. I love Guillaume March's art. Yes. Uh, and especially on in uh, issues focusing on not just Batman but the Bat family, always great to see. I will say and uh, this is being picky, but Grifter still doesn't sit with me.
2: What's really? the mask? Universe. You don't like a billowy mask? You <laughs> don't like a, a billowy mask? mask?
1: I I'm fine with a billowy mask. I mean, um, um I right. wear a cloth mask for uh when I go out and it, it mm-hmm. does hang a little low in a grifter style. Can
0: I not to interrupt your flow here, but when you're wearing that mask out, do you take it and then pull it up to your forehead?
1: Yes, uh, 100%. Okay. And it really, it blows with little wrinkles in it, just like <laughs> Grifter's does. Um, no, it's just something like I still, the Wildstorm universe of it all, I'm just like, this guy doesn't quite fit with with these characters to me.
0: I do, I agree with you on Grifter. Never quite got him. Don't like the Basque, But I do like what James Titan is setting up here. With Batman versus Grifter and this greater mystery of who Grifter works for, Um, that seems like that's something that potentially is going to tie in going forward. Uh, And that's a fun place for it to go. Batman versus the Wildstorm Universe, great, all in on that. I do love Wildcats.
2: It was cool that uh, you know Clown Hunter got a shout out in this book. You love that guy.
1: Now, Great, Alex, don't um,
2: I, we talked about this on the live show, but
1: um, as someone who's married to a clown, are you mm-hmm. worried?
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> we
0: definitely, <laughs> keep, we added an extra lock to the door. Because my Smart. wife has been uh, doing that thing where she pulls the bed sheets up to her neck and says, I'm sk- 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 scared.
1: Yes. Uh, because as you know, your wife is uh, modeled on um,
0: Charlie's grandparents in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, we sleep with another couple in our bed. All right. Black Magic <laughs> number 15 from Image Comics. Written by Greg Greca and art by Nicholas Scott. Always a great issue. Every single time. Um oh. Here uh, we're getting the fallout of the last couple of the issues as our main character deals with her new burgeoning relationship with a fellow cop. Uh, while in the background, I think for the first time we see hell or something like that. Yeah, uh, she's getting crazy
1: in the background. Yes. This comic that was very sort of austere uh, for so long about its, the, the
2: witchiness of it. And now we're like fully in witch world, which I love. A lot of pointy, kind of like pyramid looking things in that hell. Great. Thank you, Pete. We'll use that
0: one for the pull code for this issue.
2: Uh, Nicholas Scott,
0: uh, art, as usual, is the hero here. Just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, But I love sort of almost taking a break issue in a way. There's been so much harrowing, terrifying stuff every issue to take some time here and really deal with the relationships, the characters. I thought was really nice.
1: Yeah, I agree. And the art, uh, it feels like it gets better. Uh, Like Mm -hmm. there's just something about... It's so detailed, but it keeps getting, um, I guess, maybe
0: cleaner is the right word. It's
1: its great. How do you feel about the French computer? You don't see French computers
0: very often. No, not Except usually. Except in France. <laughs> no, even in France, they still use English. Everybody's like, I cannot read this. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I, I mean, I'm a little disappointed that she's not listening to her cat more. You know, mm-hmm. like if you have a magical cat, I feel like you should pay attention and listen to it especially when it knows more things than you and uh, that's always frustrating when a character isn't listening uh you know to people they should be listening to
1: as a new cat owner is your cat magical and if so what is that cat saying to you
2: well i'll tell you what she does have one of those mystical eye things like the uh, prince uh uh album uh, uh over her left eye which is kind of freaks me out And I do think that, you know, cats can, like, see uh, into different, like, realms and stuff. Um, So, yeah, the cat uh, freaks me the fuck out. Nice. That sounds like a nightmare to
1: deal with every day. (laughs) Yep. Every day you wake up and you're, like, you look at your cat and you're... The rooster
0: tailing because you're scared shitless. <laughs> that's right. That's my that's how I start my day. Wow. Oh God. Uh from day to night, let's talk about werewolf by night, number one from Marvel oh. Comics, written by Taboo and B. Earl, art by King Scott. Of the transition. Eaton. Uh here is another character that I'd never quite gotten, just based on the name. And they they try very hard to explain it in this book. But the idea of like, I'm a werewolf, but by night. It's like, well, most werewolves are by night, I think. Well, uh, but I take it the other way. I think the name
1: is sort of saying like, uh, not just a werewolf or it's like a once a month. It's a yeah. werewolf by all
0: nights. Because if sure. it's like,
1: if the character was named like werewolf normal, like a Mo- werewolf monthly, right? it's like less fun.
0: It does come out monthly. So there is that uh, But on the other hand, he turns back into a human In this very first issue where he's like I'm a werewolf by night Well, now I'm a human and it's still nighttime. I say a lot, I'm a human by night to people
1: <laughs> And
0: they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, I thought this book was okay It was honestly frustrating to me That the part that was fun and exciting Was the last page of the book like, that to me, without getting into spoilers unless we want to, that to me felt like, okay, this is the part you needed to put at the front of the book instead of all the setup that I didn't necessarily care about personally.
1: Well, let uh, me say, I like this, I guess, more than you, it seems, because it it feels like it's a it's a Marvel Comics book, but it feels like this could be uh, an image comics book. Like, it it establishes a world around this character that isn't, relying on other uh other superhero other marvel universe things and uh i like the characters a lot um and uh like we talked about this on the show with uh with Colin bunn and uh whatnot like the horror infiltration into superhero comics i've been really enjoying
2: yeah i mean mm-hmm. i i thought the uh reveal was fun but i thought the more fun was with the granny you know pressuring those two to, you know, start a family. I thought that was really fun. Um, so
1: your favorite part of this comic was the grandmother pre- pressing them to have children?
2: Yeah. Come on, mommy He's a werewolf! Fuck it! You know, but I think that... Uh, also, this was like, you know... you Just never real know. quick,
0: how's your relationship going, Pete?
2: <laughs> <laughs> good, man. It's going good. Thanks for asking. Um, no problem. But I think that, like... You know, this book is kind of over the top, whatever. I just thought, like, the kind of the real down-to-earth moments were kind of nice. And also, like, you never know, man. You know, the guy who cleans the toilets could be a werewolf. You know, the person who collects the recycling, you know, could be a mummy. you got to be, you know, nice to people because you don't know what their superpower is. I think that every day. Yeah, I'm like, Uh, it would make uh, sense if
0: they switch jobs, honestly, because I feel like the mummy could just take some of that wrapping and refill the toilet paper rolls.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah.
1: Honestly, every time I, every, whenever I go out in New York City, I'm always like, are you a mummy? (laughs) (laughs)
0: This episode of Comic Book Club Is brought to you by Hulu's Hellstrom Hellstrom, that sounds scary Pete, it is scary Hellstrom is about two siblings,
1: Damon and Anna Hellstrom Who have a dark history and a complicated relationship Who use their skills and knowledge of the supernatural To help track down a powerful serial killer Scary
0: Oh, no! No, 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 Pete, it's okay, it's okay. The show's pretty funny sometimes, too, or at least darkly comic. The cast is great. you got Tom Austin as Damon Hellstrom, Sidney Lemon as Anna Hellstrom, and Elizabeth Marvel is in it, too. And in between the chilling scares, everyone is still having a lot of fun. Okay, phew.
1: At the same time, it's still not the sort of series you want to watch with the lights off. There's twists, turns, and plenty of gross scares, particularly for a hardcore horror fan like this guy.
0: Oh, no! No, 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 Uh, but really, it's all about that family drama. And some fun mysteries that will keep you guessing until the end of the season And the good news is, all episodes are now streaming on Hulu So you can power through and find out the answers to those mysteries Right now, today Oh, okay, few, few. But also, it's terrifying Stop! And
1: emotional Okay, alright, few. And about how the worst demons are the ones inside of us
2: There's demons inside of me? Metaphorical demons Oh no!
1: Hellstrom, all episodes now streaming on Hulu <laughs>
0: Uh, this let's move on to talk about Big Girls Number 3 from Image Comics Story and Art by Jason Howard. Uh, I think we've gone back and forth a little bit about these issues. Generally, Jason Howard's art is great. Uh, this takes place in a world where large women and large men are fighting. The men are monsters, or are <laughs> they? And the women are not monsters, or are they? And they're fighting in the ruins left of the world. Find out a lot more about it, this issue, that really mixes things up. I thought in an interesting way, definitely confuses the metaphor perhaps a little bit, but certainly makes the story that we're following more fascinating. What did you guys take away from it?
2: I, Uh, I, Oh, go ahead. You go. I completely agree. I'm very happy with this kind of new development in this issue where, you know, the men aren't just total D bags. Um, I, I kind of like the reveal in this issue gives things a little bit more uh, complication, uh, I'm very excited to see how this moves forward and what the kind of reveals are going to be. Um, yeah, the arts, the real hero of this book, this is uh, becoming a very interesting book. And I'm, I'm getting into it more and more with each issue. Uh,
1: yeah, I, this book feels like uh, an episode of The Outer Limits. Um, did mm-hmm. you guys ever watch that when you were younger? Like yeah. where it was like it took a uh, a premise, a sci-fi premise and it just like played it up and then there's a twist and then you you landed the the ending. Um, and so I like I definitely like this progression. I think the art is really nice. It reminds me of like uh, Ryan Otley in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, well, Jason this, Howard
0: did uh, what, what was the wolf thing that Robert Kirkman did? Right? Uh oh, I think? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, science Wolf? Science, science Dog. Science Wolf? Science Dog. Science Dog. Science Dog. I think Jason Howard did Science Dog. I'm going to look that up while you're talking.
1: You should look that up. Yep. Okay, great. So all we have to do while Alex is looking this
2: up is talk. Yeah, so, let's just do a little soft shoeing, kill some time, you know? It's
1: not killing time. It's Pete. It's, it's bringing more of our personal lives into the fold. How's so, your family, Justin? A family? Yeah. Uh Good? Uh, yeah. Very good. They're so, right upstairs? Yeah. Uh, um, Yes. uh, Several members of my family were doing laundry uh, over the course of uh, our tapings this evening, and every time my uh, washer and dryer finish, they it make each make a little celebration song.
0: No, I'm sorry. They did super dinosaur together. There it Uh, is. Okay. I I thought maybe it was the shark one. (laughs) How did everything go while I was looking that up? Good. Great,
1: we
2: just had a totally normal friend conversation Yeah, it turns Excellent. out Justin's uh, washing dryer Because he's such a fucking big time rich guy They play like those celebration songs Like You probably have to pay extra for that No, that's, <laughs> that's definitely not Every time idea. his washing dryer <laughs> finishes It's like celebrate clean mm-hmm. clothes Come out Oh man, that's a great That would be great if that's what it did
0: Man, he, you <laughs> should sell that You should sell that to Whirlpool <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> let's move on talk about batman white knight presents harley quinn number one from dc Comics. story by katana collins and sean murphy this is of course spinning off of the white knight universe of stories that sean murphy has been building up this is a very different harley quinn who is uh out of the game batman is in jail the joker is dead she's on her own uh, but she gets sucked back into it by a joker wannabe or is it the Joker himself? Uh, what do you guys think about this book?
2: Well, I mean, first off, the art's amazing. Balls! Uh, this is kind of a, a newer take, a fresh take on the old Quinster. Um, you get a flashback to her and Jack uh, meeting, and uh, you know, I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm I'm not like upset at the changes. Um, I think it's a fun last page. I kind of want to. L- Work alone, and by alone, I mean me and my two hyenas. Uh, I'm on board. I'll, I'm interested to see where this goes. I think we uh, need more Harley Quinn. I don't think there's enough of Harley Quinn. we got to get more.
0: Uh, I will right. say, before you get into anything, Justin, I think we already have our pull quote for this. It's, I'm not upset at the changes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pete, when you say you need more Harley Quinn, what do you... in? in life or in this comic? This comic features a lot of Harley Quinn. uh,
2: You know, Harley Quinn is a very popular character. I don't think DC has caught on yet. They haven't put enough Harley Quinn in books yet. Uh, I barely see her. So it'd be nice if they started using her more. Um, Well, let me say the White Knight
1: sub-universe is is Mm -hmm. interesting to me because it's a little Mm – I I like this book, and I like the Harley Quinn in this book, but I'm like, oh, we're so far away from – the normal, like the reality um, of mm-hmm. the DC universe right now. Um, so I'm like, that to me is, a, it takes me out of it because it, the book is so far removed from uh, sort of the normal storytelling that um, I, the normal continuity, I guess. Um, but I have enjoyed these white Knight books. The art is truly amazing. I mean, that's
2: a real hero there.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm curious how much longevity this pocket universe has in the DC universe.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah, I agree. Let's move on. Dune, House of Trades, number one, written by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson, illustrated by Dev Pramanik. Uh This is... Oh, this is from Boom Studios, I believe, right? Uh, this is... Yeah, it's Boom. Thank you. I forgot to write that down. Uh, interestingly... I mean, as we were talking about with the Wonder Woman 1984 book a couple of weeks back, this is, again, a book that was clearly there to tee up the movie that was supposed to come out this year. and Instead, is coming out a full year later. Uh, But at the same time, it is riffing off of the book. It's teeing up the movie. It's telling you a little bit more about Dune and the world. Uh, So what did you think about this? Does this stand on its own, given that the movie is now not coming out for basically a full calendar year?
1: Well, I'm curious if this some of the the scenes here are from the movie. Like, is this bullfighting scene uh, or space bull or whatever it's called? Um, is that is that a scene we're going to see in this movie? Because this made me want to see the movie. Really? Y- yes, it made me want to see sort of the more streamlined, uh, visually dynamic version of this comic. What this reminded me of, though, as I was reading it, is like. X of Swords or Ten of Swords, it reminded me of like a version of that where I'm like, wait,
0: who are any of these characters? <laughs> it definitely, yeah. it's a very, it kept jumping around. I mean, granted, the books are very expansive. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of mythology. <laughs> um, I thought this looked very nice for what it is. Dev Promatic's art is uh, very pretty. And like you were mentioning, the uh, gladiator scenes or the bullfighting scenes uh, were very nicely laid out. But I couldn't help but wish while I was reading this, that this was almost more in the European style, that this felt like the sort of thing, if you're going to do Dune, get like a Mobius to do it, you know, or Mobius Light or something like that, to give it that sense, because it should be weird and off-putting, not Consisted with uh, card comic books at all You know Right
1: Yeah especially when the movie is uh, I mean we don't know this I guess But is probably going to be like Visually stunning yeah. And like purposefully so So the comic should reflect that a little bit
0: I agree Let's move on to another one. Dark Knight's Death Metal Robin King, number one from DC Comics, written by Peter J. Tomasi uh, and Tony Patrick, art by Riley Rosmo and Daniel Semperi. Uh, You cannot go wrong with Peter J. Tomasi and Riley Rosmo at all. I mean, great now, team. I'm not the hugest fan of the idea of Robin King, who's basically a Bruce Wayne, who's an evil teen, who's a Robin. But man, this book is killer. Just so good. What'd you guys think?
2: I mean, this is, they're just, this kind of like universe is just kind of cranking things up to 11 here. So it, it seems like everybody's kind of having fun with the overtopness of it. and you know, and again, we get a f- kind of a funeral thing here, uh, but an interesting take where he hears a Robin at the funeral, uh, that kind of draws him. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's uh, the the like Robin King messing with Animal Man was really intense um uh, and then the Blue Beetle getting eaten by Beatles, you know I mean, this is just kind of crazy fun over the top shit. I think this kind of event is like a fun, like, hey, let's just crank this up and see what happens. And every book has been kind of like art-wise, really funly, kind of like driven towards these monsters and over-the-top villains. So why not?
1: (laughs) Why not? Um, I mean, to your point, Alex, like this team is so good, and especially in a book where it's just all about... Hitting different aspects of the DC universe Like Animal Man, Red Tornado, Blue Beetle Great to see all these characters Him just like riding Firestorm down and defeating him like Oh it's, yeah, that was messed up It's it's all great And I don't know Like Robin King isn't someone who I'm like God, I can't wait to keep seeing more of this guy um, <laughs> But I think he is one of the more memorable Characters from this event. Uh, In a sea of Bruce Wayne's, the Robin King definitely sticks
0: out as one that is more threatening and more interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, now, from children who are killing something to something is killing the children, number oh, 11. Oh, come on, <laughs> He's He's been working this Written for James uh, Todd of the 4th, illustrated by Werther Deltaria. Uh, we're really and just get- for you
1: guys listening, I the way we work is I actually hold up a cue card, and Alex reads that down because we, we workshopped it.
0: I uh, hold up a cue card, and
2: Alex... No, oh, my, I'm sorry, no, that's, that your, was, line. that's no, your line. That's your line. I'm sorry yeah. about yeah.
1: that. That's how where we work in a classic SNL model where it's yeah. all handwritten cue cards.
2: Yeah, yeah. Fun fun fact, Justin, really great at writing cue cards. That's 100% <laughs> right.
1: That's why I'm a line producer.
2: Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that line producers
0: do. Yep. So in this issue, we're continuing... Uh, like we have talked about almost every issue, there's little bits of information that are eked out every issue, but it still feels so present and so terrifying as our main characters are trying to get away from these monsters who are attacking the town, who are killing the children. But at the same time, the organization she works for is mustering forces of their own, and it seems like we're heading towards a climactic showdown in the next issue, which is all very exciting. Every issue of this is great.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the the amount of information we get is very, like, controlled. Like, this feels – every issue of this feels like a scene or two scenes from a movie as opposed to so many comics where it's, like, so much happening. This feels very just, like – uh, controlled pacing-wise uh, in a way that is very different from other comics. And visually, it lets us really
2: just chew
1: these horror images up uh, as we get to see them.
2: Yeah, this was intense. I, I was very happy with the kind of information we finally get about our kind of, like, main character and her kind of relationship a little bit uh, to this organization. Uh love the kind of dragon uh guy overseeing things. But it's also crazy in this comic how like people are wearing masks, you know, like how we're wearing masks. And uh so that's kind of uh freaking me the fuck out a little bit. Uh but man, nothing creepier than a one eyed fucking teddy bear, man. I this book continues to be a maze balls, the art, Nothing the story creepier. T- nothing creepier.
0: I'll tell you what. Uh, maybe they've already done this, but they should make masks based on something that's killing the children. I'd wear one of those. Those would be fun.
1: Oh, that's a great idea, Pete. Would you now? If a one-eyed terror uh, teddy bear is
2: scary, what about a two-eyed teddy bear? Oh, one uh, one-eyed's more scary, man.
0: What about a no-eyed okay. terry bear? Terror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a terror bear. A terror bear does sound scary. Uh let's move on to our X of Swords block, Excalibur Number thirteen, uh, from Marvel do, written do, do, by Tim we... Howard
2: and what? Uh. What? Uh, I was hoping we would save that block for last, but all right, uh, you.
1: No, got I, I, like, all... I like the book we're saving for last. I think we made the right choice,
0: Alex. Okay. Yes, uh, written by Titty Howard and art by R B Silva, and then we got X Men number thirteen from Marvel, written by Jonathan Hickman and art by Mahmoud Azrar. Uh, unlike the previous months, we're only getting previous weeks. Excuse me, we're only getting two issues. This week, they're not tied together. They're each their own stories. In Excalibur, we find out what's going on with Captain Britain, who is now Betsy Braddock, and her siblings as they go to Otherworld and tangle with Otherworld. And in X-Men number 13, we find out the fate and backstory of Apocalypse. Two very different stories, but we're really starting to get to the halfway point of this event. Um, So what did you think about these? And what do you think about this
2: event so far? Uh, I really love the way this event started, but I just feel like uh, we're taking too much time with each issue of getting the sword so they can join the battle. It's like, yeah, 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 get your fucking sword so we can get this goddamn fight started. So, uh, I'm excited to see how this unfolds. I'm still very much on board, but I feel like they're taking their sweet-ass fucking time with each person joining the goddamn fight.
1: I mean, we got three swords in two issues. Like, that's pretty... The ratio's right there.
0: I, I will say, I love the slow anticipation of building the swords, but every time they get to that scene where everybody's standing in the circle with their swords, it's cool, but I'm also like, how long have they been standing there? Have they yeah. just been well, standing there not talking and staring at each other The first person with their was like, "Geez, guys, you know, like,
2: get a Hurry sword. Up.
0: I do think, I mean
1: them all arriving there could have happened over the course of like five minutes. It's just the way the comic pacings, everyone is doing their own shit on the, uh, on no, their this time. is
2: taking weeks. I mean, uh, weeks between no, that's comics. how you're, that's
1: how you're reading it. But I do think like everyone could have arrived there like one after the other.
0: Otherwise you think how, like, w- uh, uh, this is probably a good thing for our podcast to tackle, but how does the linear progression of time work?
1: Well, here's the thing. Um, it moves forward, uh, second by second, minute by minute, unless you go time out, and then time stops, and you can do whatever you want for a brief amount of time.
0: Right. You can say what's
2: going on. I'm day, glad day you're side.
1: talking about timeouts. You know? And then
2: time in, and, and yeah. everything continues on. No, but nice. I think in in comics, uh, Wednesdays are like our Mondays. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. the start of the week. Oh, interesting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what a <laughs>
0: Uh, what a I way like to tell both time. These issues, Do you have I'll a calendar in your house? It's
1: just Wednesday to Wednesdays? Yeah. You're just like... Wednesday, you, Wednesday.
0: Mondays and hey, Tuesdays man, this, are just lost days for you. Yeah. It's always Wednesday somewhere. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah time nice. out. P doesn't know what he's talking about. Time in. Time in. I like these books quite a bit. Uh, I thought the Otherworld oh, stuff was really interesting. And I really like the Braddock family. I thought they were uh, really fun Did in you... the way that Teeny Howard wrote them, delineated them in an interesting way. It also throws an interesting power dynamic into everything that's going to Otherworld, which if they're trying to defend Otherworld but they hate Otherworld... What's up with that? I guess we'll find out how that plays out. But the big one What's was X-Men 13, which gives yeah. completely retcons. Apocalypse gives a entirely new motivation for everything that he has ever done, which is very, very classic Jonathan Hickman Marvel at this point. But I think it works. I think it does work as
1: well. Like, And it is weird because it's like Apocalypse, who is like... You know, he's been alive for millennia, but then you're like, wait, that dude was married? Yeah, and right. are like, oh,
0: okay. He had a whole little life. Cool. Well, and then, then the other part of it, for those of you who haven't read the book, this is a spoiler, but we find out the reason he's always been looking for the fittest and the strongest to survive is to muster the forces to fight back the beings that are invading... Araco and therefore Krakoa and eventually the Earth. So it's actually been this magnanimous heroic motivation the entire time. Yes, which is kind of an amazing retcon to throw in there.
2: Yeah. And, oh yeah. By the way, Apocalypse has been uh, not evil this whole time.
1: And I, I don't know. I, I bought it. Like as far mm-hmm. as uh, a w- cutscene to just drop in for us. Like I think that works. And despite the. The fact that he has been a villain this whole time, he, if he's trying to find the fittest so he can get back to be with the people he loves, like that's enough of a motivation for me to be like, okay, maybe this this person can now
2: stand with our heroes. Nope. I agree, Pete. You disagree. Uh, I would rather w- watch panels of him trying to put that uh, sword together than to hear about his bullshit family. <laughs> Man, Wait, why would you
1: rather watch him put the sword together?
2: Because at least that's moving the fucking thing forward. All right. Well, we're getting to it. Uh, I want to see a you. sword fight. I want to see a giant you're fucking gonna get sword a, fight. You're going to get a and big old giving sword fight. they're me all, all this goddamn backstory before the what's going to hopefully be the greatest sword fight of all time.
1: What Can if we, instead of a sword fight, they just, like, talk it out?
2: If this is going to be like a fucking Kill Bill situation, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind.
0: What if it's like the sexual sword fight, Pete? What would you think about that? That
2: would also suck.
0: Speaking of that, (laughs) it would, in fact, yes. Let's jump into our next book.
1: Let's jump into our next book. <laughs> All
0: right. Let's move from something uh, that you were a little conflicted about, Pete, to a, a title I know you love. Faithless 2, number five, <laughs> from <laughs> <the> studios written <laughs> by Brett Asriel. You As can't even do oh, you cracking yourself up. up. <laughs> oh, well, I was yeah, kind of I cracking up it. because Woo! you couldn't we're stop yawning fun. while I was introducing this. You made yeah. the biggest, most adorable lion yawn while I was doing that.
1: Yeah. You are just a little baby. You're a little baby Simba just waking up from a nap.
0: <laughs> I and Alex is, is like Scar.
1: A... Alex is Scar being like, hey, kid, you want to see some porno? <laughs> and that's what we're doing right now. Mm,
0: oh, just... uh <laughs> I thought this issue, Justin, actually got to the heart of what you've been talking about for the past couple of issues with this book, where we'd be like, okay, what's going on with this art? They're visiting many wonderful European countries. There's some fucked up shit going on. There's some weird sex stuff going on. But what are we getting to, to this title? And this issue did it. This issue like pulled the lid off, revealed what the title, or at least this part, is about. And I like that quite a bit. How'd you feel about it?
1: Same way. Like... This felt like I mean In a If we can talk about how Like this book is very sexual Um And mixing that with Sort of The uh, Demonic uh, and, and we find out Like heaven and hell In this Uh and this universe they're creating And hey, I feel heaven like Heaven fucks ha- too bro You know what I mean Come on No doubt Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No I know Pete you dated like this Several Thanks
0: Pete You're Several you're ages.
1: <laughs> Heaven fucks too Uh <laughs> And this, it, I feel like it has been a lot of buildup, and finally, this is sort of the like release issue, oh. where uh, the orgasm issue, where like oh. uh, there's a ton of sex in this issue, and it's about like coming to conclusions. You, you didn't have to say to, it like that. You you didn't have to say it like that.
0: But that's what I, that's truly what I think. No, it he's was, commenting it was, on coming to conclusions.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think this is truly what it was written to be, and I, I mean, respect that.
0: So let's be, let's be, we can be honest on this podcast, right? There's a oh thing that happens in this issue where they're having a threesome, and I've never had a threesome, but I have to assume when it happens, <laughs> it's like in the book where you start to meld into each other and turn into each other's sexual organs until you become one sort of like human centipede, centrifugal force type thing. Is that correct? You guys that's are more been experienced. My ex- than that's I,
2: been my experience. Oh, okay. Yeah, especially when you do weird drugs and then have sex in the woods.
0: Nice. Uh, I thought this issue was very good. Last one we're going to talk about night.
2: Yes. I just want to, while we're being honest, I just want to say, Justin, the next time we're stuck on a boat and drinking with Brian Azzarello, I'm going to have a lot of questions for him. (laughs) First of Uh, all,
1: how dare you? The real question is, like, don't don't do those drugs, those weird drugs that we did, like, last time. (laughs) Because we should say a lot of this book is based on, like, our time (laughs) on on the comic book carnival cruise that we did.
0: Yeah. yeah. The, the boat was called the USS Faithless, right? That's 100% right. The Faithless too. <laughs> Last but not least, Nightwing number 75 from DC Comics written by Dan Jurgens, art by Travis Moore and Renon Cliquette. Finally, Nightwing is back to himself. He has has his memory again in this issue. KG beast is coming for him. He's trying to figure out what's going on with himself, both with his ex-girlfriend, Barbara Gordon, as well as his new girlfriend. Uh, we haven't really been following this title and I got to tell you, I like Nightwing stuff, but I really got off it when he lost his memory. Um, yes. So jumping back into this, this was a pleasant surprise.
1: Yeah. Uh, Rick Grayson um, was the sort of, like, like devil may care, like, I'm bad uh, character that filled in after he lost his memory, and it just didn't work, I feel like. It didn't feel at all organic to Nightwing, and so it is good to finally see him back, especially since Nightwing has had so many iterations that have worked um, in a in a surprising way like a a lot of the the Tom King stuff where he was a super spy uh, yeah with Tim Seeley working for Checkmate and all of that like was great and it was not Nightwing but it still worked because he was still inherently himself and the Rick Grayson stuff felt like such a departure that it didn't it was such a bummer it felt like a one off issue thing where it was like a bummer but let's get our guy back and it just lasted for longer so to see him back here Being in himself is exciting.
2: Yeah, I also like the Alfred stuff. I thought that was very touching. I'm glad somebody's really dealing with the loss here.
0: And I like the idea also of bringing back KGB. the person who shot him originally uh, where he lost his memory and building it up as this big bad villain for Nightwing. I think that's fun. It gives it emotional stakes, ties it into the previous arc, but moves it forward in a very nice way. I enjoyed this book. I was very surprised. I'm glad we checked it out. And I think that's it for the stack. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comics at comic book live on Twitter, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more until next time. This is the stack signing off.